It's taken trainer Tommy Drury 30 years to become an overnight success. Now the Louisville native has a chance to win Louisville's and America's biggest horse race. Plus, a world away from the Derby in Tripoli, Libya, a stud farm owner tries to rebuild after his horses are kidnapped and most of his property stolen. We'll have all that and more on this edition of In the Gate. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us. Hey, it's a year to get out the vote, right? So let the folks at America's Best Racing know that you want to include In the Gate in their Fan Choice Awards this November in the Best Podcast category, where we should have been last year. We're not interested in voter suppression around here, so let America's Best Racing know through their Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram accounts. The golfer Larry Mize grew up in Augusta, Georgia, where the Masters is played. He'd worked as a scoreboard operator at the Masters when he was a kid. In 1987, the relatively unheralded Mize hold a 140-foot miracle pitch from off the 11th green to win the tournament in a playoff. The two golfers he beat? Greg Norman and the late Sebi Ballesteros, members of the golfing royalty. That's about the best analogy to what trainer Tommy Drury's experiencing right now. Drury grew up in Louisville, the son of a thoroughbred trainer. He's been at this for 30 or so years. And while he does train a few of his horses at Churchill Downs itself, most of his operation is based at the Skylight Training Center, about 27 miles and a whole world away. The place is not inhabited by the sport's creme de la creme, human or equine, but in a year of unprecedented change, a little colt named Art Collector might soon establish another first, the first Kentucky Derby winner to be based at Skylight. Swiss Skydiver leads an Art Collector just off her flank in second, Rushy third. They turn for home. Swiss Skydiver the leader, Art Collector trying to reel her in from the outside. These two side by side coming to the eighth pole in the Toyota Bluegrass. Swiss Skydiver fighting on. Art Collector is right there. Art Collector ahead in front, a half length to the good, 16th pole. Art Collector, Brian Hernandez Jr. to win the Toyota Bluegrass. What an effort from Swiss Skydiver to be second. That win in the Bluegrass by Art Collector was Tommy Drury's first graded stakes win ever. He'd only run in 12 graded stakes in 30 years as a trainer. It's been something of a magic carpet ride, which has turned into a media crush for Tommy Drury. And we're guilty of adding to that. So we're especially grateful that trainer Tommy Drury can spare a few minutes to talk with us here on In The Gate. What's this whole experience of training art collector been like for you? You know, it's, I could talk about the horse all day long, but when it comes to talking about me and how I feel, I just, I, I really struggle to find the words. It's, it's been exciting. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I just didn't know I was ever going to get to this point. And to have it happen and to have it happen 
so quickly and kind of out of nowhere. I'm still trying to find the words. It's just exciting more than anything. You've grown up in this town, so you understand the buzz and energy that builds as the Derby approaches. But how different is it when you're part of the focus of that buzz? You know, it's always been my dream just to, you know, just to make the Kentucky Derby and to be in it and to to feel like you've got a shot, you know, and to feel like you belong and that you're, you know, you're one of the horses to beat. It's just amazing. I, you know, growing up as a, as a fan of horse racing, I, you know, I always enjoyed Derby week was always my favorite time of the year. And, you know, I've always enjoyed going out and watching the Derby horses train and, you know, the, the walk over on Derby day and all the different things that, that takes place. And now to kind of be in that situation myself, you almost want to kind of pinch yourself and make, make sure it's all really happening. It's a dream come true. Well, one part that won't be really happening is the 150,000 people screaming for you as you walk the wrong way around that first turn to saddle Art Collector. What does it mean to you that that won't be part of the spectacle? You know, I, I've had several people ask me that, and, and yeah, you know, you wish you could get the whole Derby experience, but, but that being said, you know, I think the quiet environment, it's going to be so much easier on these horses and that that's really what it's all about at the end of the day is is making sure that these horses are all taken care of that they're safe and sound and i think you know truth be told it'll it'll probably help some of these three-year-old colts it'll help them to to maybe be a little quieter and kind of focus on the task at hand so uh you know everything's kind of pros and cons but i'm just really trying to focus on the positive end of it and i think the quieter environment will certainly you know it's certainly going to help my horse Speaking of quieter environment, and I apologize for not having been able to determine the answer, but has there ever been a Kentucky Derby winner who's been based at the Skylight Training Center? Not that I'm aware of. You know, Carl Nasker and Ian Wilkes are stabled there, but I don't think they ever had street sense actually at the training center. So I know they were stabled there at the time that they had street sense, but I don't think he was ever there himself. So I think this is probably the first time. And I was told the other day, I don't think uh, a trainer that's actually from Louisville has ever won the Derby. So hopefully all the crazy stuff that's happened this year, you know, who knows? Maybe it could happen. Well, if it doesn't happen for you, I have to think Brad Cox at some point is going to be knocking on that door, too. So explain for us the role you usually have in developing horses. You know, we do a variety of things. I I work with a lot of trainers, uh, you know, around the Churchill area and and we, we do everything from starting young horses. We take surgery horses. Uh, you know, sometimes some of these older horses, they just need a little break from the racetrack environment. And, you know, we've got plenty of green grass out there. And, you know, it's a little quieter environment for them. And, you know, we just kind of fill in the blanks. Wherever, you know, wherever these guys need us, there's, you know, there's been trainers that, you know, their their stall situation might have been a little tight at Churchill. So they would even send a horse or two out for me. We would train the horse up until race day, send it into them. They would run the horse and then send it right back to us. So I, I guess I, I'm kind of an extension of a lot of different trainers in there. And I, you know, you call it an assistant, an extension, however, you know, however you want to look at it. But I work for several different trainers. And then of course I have my own horses and, you know, it's really, it's just been a nice niche for me. I, I don't know that I'd be where I'm at today if I hadn't have gone that route. So tell us, for example, how you brought along Tom's Detat, winner of this year's Stephen Foster and last fall's grade one Clark handicap. You know, when we had Tom, he had been stopped on. He'd had some, some physical setbacks. I believe he had been turned out at another farm and 
he came to us. We started him back into training and got him up to the point that, you know, we had breezed him several times. And, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll always remember about Tom is this was before he was Tom's to tie. I think he might have been a two other than allowance horse at the time. And, you know, I remember Al Stahl just, he, he was always so confident in his horse. He always, he always felt like he was a, a next level kind of horse. And he was just dead set. He was going to give him all the time in the world and use all the patience. And, and gosh, you, you know, you look up now and, for him to be his age and, and winning grade ones and, you know, just getting to that, that level of winning grade ones, that's almost unheard of in this business. And and I think Al Stahl, you know, had he not been so patient, you know, Tom would have been a nice three other than, and that would have been the end of him. Trainer Tommy Drury joining us here on In the Gate. He'll send out Art Collector in the rescheduled Kentucky Derby on Labor Day weekend. Now, first of all, how did this horse wind up with you of all the trainers owner Bruce Lungsford could have chosen when he switched trainers in March? I've actually uh, been working for Bruce for years. We had a filly named Madcap Escapade for Bruce several years ago, and she won the Ashland and multiple grade one winner. And she was actually the first grade one winner we were ever associated with at the training center. And ever since then, Bruce has always left a horse or two with me, and he's always given us opportunities. And he he just called this winner and said he was going to be shuffling the deck a little bit and moving some horses around and asked if I could kind of kind of take a few until he figured out which way he was going to go. And one of those horses being Art Collector. And, you know, at the time that we got him, we just figured we were going to get him up, you know, a half mile fit and send him to another trainer and kind of let him go on from there. And and then, the, you know, once the COVID stuff hit, that, that kind of changed everything. And we were kind of the only game in town that was training every day. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty at the racetracks and whatnot. And Bruce felt like he was probably better off in the environment that he was in and being able to train every day and stay on a consistent schedule. And, that kind of led to me getting to run him the first time, and that's kind of led us to where we are today. And it's Art Collector who shouldered the load, and Art Collector will whip him on in in the run happy Ellis Park Derby. He's off the turn with a length lead. Attachment rate still fighting hard from second, back into third. It's Dean Martini and Necker Island down the center of the track, tried and hit, but with a 16th left to go, it's the favorite Art Collector. And Art Collector is on to Louisville. This horse had won once in five starts as a two-year-old with a different trainer, as we mentioned, Joe Sharp, but four for four as a three-year-old. What turned his light bulb on? You know, I think it's just maturity. You know, I don't think we've done anything out of the ordinary with him. We've just tried to use good judgment and and make logical decisions with him. And some of these horses, you know, you, you see them late in their two-year-old year, and that's the best they ever are. It's almost like they kind of tail off after that. And then other horses, they're a little late getting to the, to the party. They're a little late maturing. And I think Art Collector might have been that type. I think he, you know, over the course of the winter and the time off, he was able to kind of catch up with everyone else. And, 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 and that's just, that's Bruce. He's always willing to give these horses all the time in the world. And, and Art Collector is a perfect example of his patience paying off. Well, you certainly wouldn't have had him ready for the Kentucky Derby when it was originally scheduled but the bluegrass happened in July. How did you feel as you saw him coming down the stretch? You know, I, gosh, I, I was standing there at the end of the tunnel and, you know, I have never won a graded stake in my career. He was kind of making the lead right as he went by me. And, you know, the, re- the rest of it was just a blur. I, it really was. To win a graded stake is, is, is a major accomplishment within itself. And, and you'd be amazed at the amount of horse trainers nationwide that have never that never accomplished that but to do it at Keeneland in the bluegrass and you know being from Kentucky it was a pretty special day for us 
Now, since then, he's won the Ellis Park Derby, which was not a graded race, but you said around the time of that one that you were afraid to say the D word. Have you said it yet? Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, being a horse trainer and knowing everything that can go wrong leading up to a race, I'm, it's kind of a back-and-forth excitement. You know, you start thinking about it, and you start getting excited, and you know, then you start thinking about all the times that you've had horses so close and they, you know, something go wrong the morning of the race or the day before or whatever. And you're still a little, a little cautious about saying too much, but I'm I'm just hoping I could stay out of his way just a little bit longer here. So, you know, he's doing great right now and acts like a horse that's, uh, that's just continuing to improve and, and we're really excited about it. Well, when I say D word, I meant Drury. As in Tommy oh. Drury, thank you so much for spending a few minutes. We wish you the best of luck on Labor Day weekend. Why don't we just say it that way? That, that sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. It's a long way from the twin spires of Churchill Downs, but racing lives in Libya. Even after an armed militia decimated one of that country's biggest thoroughbred operations, we'll take you to Tripoli for an update when the In The Gate podcast continues. Welcome back to In The Gate. The dateline for this next story is Tripoli, Libya. Yes, you heard that right. Tripoli, Libya. For most thoroughbred racing fans listening to this podcast in the United States, Libya means basically three things. Seemingly endless war, the dictatorial legacy of Muammar Gaddafi, and the attack on the U.S. consulate in Benghazi in 2012. But did you know that Libya has a tradition of thoroughbred racing? There are tracks in the aforementioned Tripoli and Benghazi, among others. However, you're never far from the effects of war in that country, and sure enough, Libya's leading thoroughbred breeder, Dr. Ahmad Ashab, who runs Al Shab Stud, saw nearly 60 of his horses stolen from his farm in January during multiple raids by the Libyan National Army, which opposes the Government of National Accord that's backed by the United Nations. The property was also ransacked. Now, you may not have heard of the actual stallions and mares at Al Shab Stud, although one stallion is actually named Churchill Downs, a Group 2 winner in Australia, but you'll know some of these bloodlines. One stallion, Eavesdropper, is a Kentucky-bred son of King Mambo, and Eavesdropper's a half-brother to champions AP Indy and Summer Squall. So, these are not obscure bloodlines, even though we're talking about Libya. Roughly two-thirds of the horses stolen in January have made it back to Al-Shab, for now, but some of them were found brutally killed on the farm. Some of them were mares who were due to give birth shortly. And yet, despite all the terror, Dr. Ahmad Ashab continues on, literally an oasis in the middle of the Sahara Desert. And we are pleased to welcome Dr. Ashab here to In the Gate to update us. Where do you stand in the recovery of your horses? Yeah, all the horses, well, the war is finished in Tarhuna City, where the, all the horses spoiled from my stud going uh, to Tarhuna City. And 
all the horses to stay in in Al Kani militias, and this is from uh, Al Haftar forces. So we find the horses in his stud, and most of horses suffered from injury. Some other of the horses suffered from the starvation. Some horses is okay. And we miss other horses. So, uh, you know, it's very dramatic feeling what we happened to my stud, you know. What was the experience like back in January when your farm was raided? You know, 2020 start very unluck for me, <laughs> for, for the world, for the next uh, days, you know, coming for the corona and some problem in the world. But first day in 2020, I received a call from the stud manager to tell me uh, many of militias come to the stud and broken the main door there. And they fighting in the, somewhere for the other forces and collect the stallion first and some of broad mare. This is first day. So they collect the horses for the two stage, you know. First stage, the stallion and broad mare. And stay one, they don't do anything. And other day, pack to collect all the earling and filly and all the equipment because we have a clinic in the stud, especially surgery room and anesthesia machine, some of laboratory as well. So we can do nothing to stop them because the GNA force here in Tripoli said if we fight with them and this is very dangerous for the horses so they stay to collect the horses and see what we can do and how we can help what was it like walking around and seeing all those horses either dead or missing you know people come a first day to try with the some horses not loaded in the car because they collect the horses not for the horse box or horse trail, only they collect for the normal cars. So the horses doesn't understand how to load these cars, you know. So very difficult to understand. So some horses doesn't like to load and some militias shot them in their legs and other one shot them to kill him. So we have uh, three horses. One directly is dead, and other two horses stay in the stud with the bleeding. Nobody can help them until uh, excessive of bleeding and there is uh, death as well. So it's very awful time for us and, you know, for my family as well, because we started this project since 2000. So our life in this project and we 
uh, help our owner and the breeders, help them to establish the horse racing authority because the Libya have no registered as a stud book and we have no race, uh, racing authority. We uh, support them with the weather base in, uh, in England. So we have spent a lot of time to negotiate with them. And we have at the end in 2013, the stud book authority, and also we have horse racing authority. So we didn't do anything is wrong for the both sides. We work as a horse industry, how we improve this industry in Libya. So uh, we feel alone. We also have to contact other organizations which have uh, animal rights. Also, many organizations back uh, replay for us. Sorry, we can not help in this situation because we in you in uh, in war situation. So uh, we say, you know, uh, keeping feel alone. Just we have many of uh, our friends have uh, support us to improve and to fight to uh, back the horses and the stud uh, again. Now, as I understand it, Libya is part of the European and uh, Mediterranean Horse Racing Authority, is that right? And are a recognized stud book. Yes, it's right. That's right. And we work uh, hard to uh, prove this, uh, everything with our government and for the agriculture ministry, because in before 17 February revolution, I mean, in a Gaddafi regime, this is not allowed to breed uh, the thoroughbred as a pure horses. So before 2011, in Gaddafi regime, you cannot allow to breed the thoroughbred pure. You must be breed a half blood, I mean, uh, between Anglo-Arab or thoroughbred to part the horses. This is only breed we have. What effect did the Arab Spring uprising in 2011 have on racing in Libya? Everything we do, Arab Spring support us to establish the Sadbok, to breed the right way with the Arab line and thoroughbred line and barb line. And we establish of a high price money for the races. We have many of big races. So before this date, before uh, Arab Spring, we cannot do anything because military mind, he needs to breathe in this way. So, I mean, the Arab Spring help us to establish many of organizations to help a horse breathing industry in Libya. And as I understand it, you also go to Tattersall's and the Australian Magic Million sales for Bloodstock too. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Because we import many of good stallions from Australia. 
we import the Dunhill Sun, his name Churchill Downs. We still miss the horse the Stallion. He's very nice horse. He produced many of correct horses in Libya. Also, we import uh, Eves Drubber and this uh, very nice stallion coming from uh, very nice the Thorbred horses family in America. He's a Pansylvanian breed. He's very nice horse. He's also missed with the loss of our stud. We still do uh, some auction horses in Libya because before uh, 2000, we have uh, no any auction of Libya. So we uh, start in 2008, many of public sales and public auction to sell all the progeny of horses and some of broadmare. Who's buying from that auction? Who buys from you? The owners, the Libyan owners, and some of uh, Tunisian owners, some from uh, Egypt. So we sold uh, a lot of horses in uh, 2008 to 2014. We, we do many of uh, horse auctions, more than nine auction, public auction. And this is very uh, interesting for the Libyan breeders, very happy to sell the horses by uh, natural way, you know. Dr. Ahmad Ashab, owner of Libya's biggest thoroughbred breeding farm, Al Shab Stud, joins us here on In the Gate. For those of us who cannot see what your farm looks like, can you describe it to us? What do the barns look like? How big are your fields? How many fields do you have? We have large farm because we own the farm from many uh, years ago. We have farm for our family. We own uh, more than uh, 42 hectares, and this is owned for our family more than 300 uh, years ago. We build a new stud. And uh, we have more than uh, 60 books for uh, the horses. We have a clinic. Also, we have a small uh, tract for, for, for the broken the earling and some of the trainer horses. And we, because my job as an equine veterinary helped me to support the industry in Libya. What is thoroughbred racing like in Libya? Where are the tracks? When is your season? And how many owners and breeders are there? We have eight race track, all of uh, dirt. We have uh, no uh, other tracks. I mean, uh, uh, dirt track is like America. We have a big Brace track since in 1933, when uh, Libya Italian uh, culture, colony, I mean. We have many of races. Our races start from September into July. We have big race. Uh, it's named Libyan uh, Breeders' Cup. 
and this uh, buys uh, money for uh, more uh, than 100,000 US dollars. And we have also a big race in capital of Tripoli Cup, and this is as well very famous race. But still, we need the support from uh, other joke like American Jockey Club or other uh, authorities to help uh, us to improve the races because very new uh, Libyan horse racing authority be established in 2013. So still the body uh, have a large experience to do many of races, but we in the right way, way, I think. Are spectators allowed at these tracks? Are they allowed to bet? Yes. And we have more than 4,000 breeders and owners in Libya. And the second sport uh, after the football, and the owner looked for the horse breeding like uh, our culture and heritage. So uh, we hope uh, in the future will be bright. So you go to Tattersall's and you're sitting next to, you know, big breeders from Dubai and England and Ireland. Maybe you're sitting next to Sheikh Mohammed or something like that. And you tell them you're from Libya. What do they say? <laughs> yes. Be, you know, where many people, very interesting to hear uh, we are from Libya because nobody hearing about the thoroughbred industry in Libya. Many people, very interesting to know how is the breathing, how is the atmospheric in, in, in North Africa. If we breed the, the thoroughbred horses in North Africa, it will be big and strong like European or like uh, the America. But all very interesting uh, for the horse industry in Libya. How determined are you to rebuild now for the second time after the Arab Spring and now this? You know, it's very difficult now because the politics situation is still, we have the war, still uh, many negotiations about the stop fighting under the United Nations and under the America and Germany support us to uh, more negotiation in politics and to stop the war. If they happen, uh, I think it will be very good and we hope for future to do some big races like uh, Libyan Derby or some big races with a, a lot of uh, prices like one million and a, uh, and a half more. So this depending on the situation here in Libya. So how, how it will be established and everything is will be okay. Dr. Amada Shab is the owner of Libya's biggest thoroughbred breeding farm, Al Shab Stud. Thank you so much. We wish you safety and success in the future. Thank you for the hearing me in, in your program. And this is uh, give me support.
support to rebuild our stud and our industry in Libya. Thank you very much. Our thanks once again to Dr. Amada Shab and to Tommy Drury. Pandemic or not, the Kentucky Derby still casts a sepia-toned aura on the whole Commonwealth, but centered on Louisville. Yet this year, cast against the Derby is the death of Breonna Taylor, a black woman white Louisville police have killed. Their protests have gone on everywhere in this COVID-fueled, strife-filled summer for Taylor and other innocent blacks who have died. The issue's much bigger than Louisville, but it's one of the epicenters. The march is more thunderous than a pack of racehorses' strides. The black community in the Ville have called for a derby boycott, which is technically moot since Churchill Downs' doors will be closed. But black organizers don't want the city's unrest to be scuttled by celebrities with their fashions and juleps posed. Where will we be next spring in the Ville if the glitterati return? Would a spectacle be the right place to make a point? If so, I hope that change is enacted, but done so peacefully, so that more than a horse, it's unity we anoint. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us, even the geniuses at America's Best Racing. Maybe they'll include us like they should have last year in their Fan Choice Awards for Best Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We hope you're safe and healthy as you listen to this, and we'll see you next time.